Welcome to Manna for Breakfast, the daily Bible reading devotional which chronologically takes you through the Word of God from Genesis to Revelation in one year. Grab a cup of coffee and your Bible and join us as we journey together through God's Word. Welcome you all this beautiful morning. Let's look over to some of the dad jokes today. A pirate walks into a bar with a paper towel on his head. And the bartender says, what's with the paper towel? The pirate says, Arr, I've got a bounty on my head. You'd have to know your brands to know that one. Okay, why did Beethoven get rid of his chickens? All they said was, bok, bok, bok. What did the DNA say to the other DNA? Do those genes make me look fat? Pretty good. Well, let's see if we can move over into our reading today. We're going to be in Exodus chapter 24 this morning. Father God, thank you for this morning and ask that you would guide us and direct us and fix our internet, Father. I'll fix this connection. Thank you for my brothers and sisters, which are patient. And may you just guide us as we work through our way through your word day by day. In Jesus' name, amen. Exodus 24. The people affirm their covenant with God. Then he said to Moses, Come up to the Lord, you and Aaron, Nadab and Abihu, and 70 of the elders of Israel, and you shall worship at a distance. Moses alone, however, shall come near to the Lord, but they shall not come near, nor shall the people come up with him. Then Moses came and recounted to the people all the words of the Lord and all the ordinances. And all the people answered with one voice and said, All the words which the Lord has spoken we will do. Moses wrote down all the words of the Lord. Then he rose early in the morning and built an altar at the foot of the mountain with 12 pillars for 12 tribes of Israel. He sent young men of the sons of Israel and they offered burnt offerings and sacrificed young bulls as peace offerings to the Lord. Moses took half of the blood and put it in the basins and the other half of the blood he sprinkled on the altar. Then he took the book of the covenant and read it in the hearing of the people and they said, all that the Lord has spoken we will do. We will be obedient. So Moses took the blood and sprinkled it on the people and said, Behold, the blood of the covenant which the Lord has made with you in accordance with all these words. Then Moses went up with Aaron, Nadab, and Abihu, and 70 of the elders of Israel. And they saw the God of Israel. And under his feet there appeared to be a pavement of sapphire as clear as the sky itself. But he did not stretch out his hand again against the nobles of the sons of Israel. They saw God, and they ate and drank. Now the Lord said to Moses, Come up to me on the mountain and remain there, and I will give you the stone tablets with the law and the commandment which I have written for their instruction. So Moses arose with Joshua's servant, and Moses went up to the mountain of God. But to the elders he said, Wait here for us, we will return to you. And behold, Aaron and her are with you. Whoever has a legal matter, let him approach them. Then Moses went up to the mountain, and the cloud covered the mountain. 
and the glory of the Lord rested on Mount Sinai. And the cloud covered it for six days. And on the seventh day, he called to Moses from the midst of the cloud and to the eyes of the sons of Israel, the appearance of the glory of the Lord was like a consuming fire on the mountaintop. Moses entered the midst of the cloud as he went up to the mountain and Moses was on the mountain 40 days and 40 nights. Chapter 25. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Tell the sons of Israel to raise a contribution for me from every man whose heart moves him. You shall raise my contribution. This is the contribution which you are to raise from them, gold, silver, and bronze, blue, purple, and scarlet material, fine linen, goat hair, rams, skins, dried red, porpoise skins, acacia wood, oil for lighting, spices for anointing oil, and for a fragrant incense, onyx stones and setting stones for the ephod and for the breastplate. Let them construct a sanctuary for me that I may dwell among them according to all that I am going to show you as a pattern for the tabernacle and a pattern for all its furniture, just so you shall construct it. Verse 10, so they shall construct an ark of acacia wood, two and a half cubits long and one and a half cubits wide and one and a half cubits high. They shall overlay it with pure gold inside and out. You shall overlay it. You shall make a gold molding around it. You shall cast four gold rings for it and fasten them on its four feet. And two rings shall be on one side of it and two rings on the other side of it. You shall make poles of acacia wood and overlay them with gold. You shall put the poles into the rings on the side of the ark and carry the ark with them. The poles shall remain in the rings of the ark. They shall not be removed from it. You shall put into the ark the testimony which I shall give you. You shall make a mercy seat of pure gold, two and a half cubits long and one and a half cubits wide. You shall make two cherubim of gold, make them of hammered work at the two ends of the mercy seat. Make one cherub at one end and one cherub at the other end. You shall make the cherubim of one piece with the mercy seat at its two ends. The cherubim shall have their wings spread upward covering the mercy seat with their wings and facing one another. The faces of the cherubim are to be turned toward the mercy seat. Verse 21. You shall put the mercy seat on top of the ark, and in the ark you shall put the testimony which I will give you. There I will meet with you, and from above the mercy seat, from between the two cherubim which are upon the ark, of the testimony, I will speak to you about all that I will give you in commandment for the sons of Israel. Verse 23, you shall make a table of acacia wood, two cubits long, and one cubit wide, and one and a half cubits high. You shall overlay it with pure gold and make a gold border around it. You shall make for it a rim of a handbreadth around it, and you shall make a gold border for the rim around it. You shall make four gold rings for it and put rings in the four corners which are on its four feet. The rings shall be close to the rim 
as holders for the poles to carry the table. You shall make the poles of acacia wood and overlay them with gold so that with them the table may be carried. You shall make its dishes and its pans and its jars and its bowls with which you pour drink offerings. You shall make them of pure gold. You shall set the bread of the presence on the table before me at all times. Then you shall make a lampstand of pure gold. A lampstand with its base and its shaft shall be made of hammered work. Its cups, its bulbs, and its flowers shall be of one piece with it. Six branches shall go out from its sides, three branches from the lampstand, from its one side, and three branches from the lampstand on its other side. Three cups shall be shaped like almond blossoms in the one branch, a bulb and a flower, and three cups shaped like almond blossoms in the other branch, a bulb and a flower. So for six branches going out from the lampstand, and in the lampstand, four cups shaped like almond blossoms, its bulbs and its flowers. The bulbs shall be under the first pair of branches coming out of it, and a bulb under the second pair of branches coming out of it, and a bulb under the third pair of branches coming under it, for six branches coming out of the lampstand. Verse 36, their bulbs and their branches shall be of one piece with it. All of it shall be one piece of hammered work of pure gold. Then you shall make its lamps seven in number, and they shall mount its lamps as to shed light on the space in front of it. Its snuffers and their trays shall be of pure gold, and it should be made from a talent of pure gold with all its utensils. See that you make them after the pattern with them which was shown to you on the mountain. Chapter 26. Moreover, you shall make the tabernacle with ten curtains of fine twisted linen and blue and purple and scarlet material. So you shall make them with cherubim, the work of a skillful workman. The length of each curtain shall be 28 cubits and the width of each curtain, four cubits, and all the curtains shall have the same measurements. Five curtains shall be joined one to another and the other five curtains shall be joined one to another. You shall make loops of blue on the edge of the outermost curtain on the first set, and likewise you shall make them on the edge of the curtain that is outermost on the second set. You shall make 50 loops in the one curtain, and you shall make 50 loops on the edge of the curtain that is in the second set. The loops shall be opposite each other. You shall make 50 clasps of gold and join the curtains to one another with the clasps so that the tabernacle will be a unit. Verse 7, you shall make curtains of goat's hair for the tent over the tabernacle. You shall make 11 curtains in all. The length of each curtain shall be 30 cubits, and the width of each curtain, 4 cubits, and 11 curtains shall have the same measurements. You shall join five curtains by themselves and the other six curtains by themselves, and you shall double over the sixth curtain at the front of the tent. You shall make 50 loops on the edge of the curtain that is outermost in the first set and 50 loops on the edge of the curtain of the outermost in the second set. You shall make 50 clasps of bronze. You shall put the clasps into the loops and join the tent together so there will be a unit. The overlapping part that is left over in the curtain of the tent, the half curtain that is left over shall lap over the back of the tabernacle, the cubit on one side and the cubit on the other, 
of what is left over in the length of the curtains of the tent shall lap over the sides of the tabernacle on one side and on the other to cover it. You shall make coverings for the tent of ram's skins dyed red and a covering of porpoise skins above. Then you shall make the border of the tabernacle of acacia wood standing upright. Ten cubits shall be the length of each board and one and a half cubits the width of each board. There shall be two tenons for each board fitted to one another. Thus you shall do for all the boards of the tabernacle. You shall make the boards uh, for the tabernacle, 20 boards for the south side. You shall make 40 sockets of silver under the 20 boards, two sockets under one board and its two tenons, and two sockets under the other board for its two tenons. And for the second side of the tabernacle, on the north side, 20 boards, and their 40 sockets of silver, two sockets under one board and two sockets under another board. For the rear of the tabernacle to the west, you shall make six boards. You shall make two boards for the corners of the tabernacle at the rear. They shall be double beneath, and together they shall be complete to its top, to the first ring. Thus it shall be with both of them. They shall form two corners. There shall be eight boards with their sockets of silver, 16 sockets, two sockets under one board and two sockets under another board. Then you shall make bars of acacia wood, five for the boards on one side of the tabernacle, five bars for the boards of the other side of the tabernacle, five bars for the boards on the side of the tabernacle for the rear side to the west. The middle bar in the center of the boards shall pass through from end to end. You shall overlay the boards with gold and make their rings of gold as holders for the bars, and you shall overlay the bars with gold. Then you shall erect the tabernacle according to its plan, which you have been shown in the mountains. Verse 31. You shall make a veil of blue and purple and scarlet material and fine twisted linen. It shall be made with cherubim, the work of a skillful workman. You shall hang it on four pillars of acacia overlaid with gold, their hooks also being of gold, their four sockets of silver. You shall hang up the veil under the clasps and shall bring in the ark of the testimony there within the veil. And the veil shall serve for you between the holy place and the holy of holies. You shall put the mercy seat on the ark of the testimony in the holy of holies. You shall set the table outside the veil and the lampstand opposite the table on the side of the tabernacle towards the south. And you shall put the table on the north side. You shall make a screen for the doorway for the tent of blue and purple scarlet material with fine twisted linen, the work of a weaver. You shall make five pillars of acacia for the screen and overlay them with pure gold, their hooks also being of gold, and you'll cast the five sockets of bronze for them. Well, we'll stop there and look at some of these interesting measurements. We covered this once going through earlier in the New Testament, how each one of these things just about every one of these things, you can find a connection, a modeling of something relating to Christ and his ministry or his character or God's plan of salvation. 
I know it sounds bizarre, but it is. It's absolutely amazing that God gave the plans to Moses for his own home, his condo, his traveling condo. Uh, this is what I want you to do. And it's so specific. Why 11 curtains? Why 10 boards on each side? You look at these things and you look at how God works. He works in perfection and he works through numbers and he uses symbols so much all over the place. The purity of the gold, the reflecting of the light, one candle operator to have one light source. Of course, Jesus is our light source. And then you have the representation of, of the blossoms. Of course, it's going to burn the oil of of the olive oil, which is representative of the Holy Spirit. We're going to see in Ezekiel how it's, you know, the, the Holy Spirit's going to, we have this constant filling of these, through of the lamp, stand in Jesus and Jesus. In, in the book of Revelation, is writing to the seven churches, and he is the lamp, and he is full of the oil, and it's, it's beautiful the the symbology and as you look through this and it's and what is staggering to think that God designed this really as a pattern of what was already in heaven but this was a a you say a scaled down version of the temple and gave it to them and if you're ever fortunate enough to go to to Israel not that we'll ever go again with the way things are going over there but uh, when you go see the menorah that they've made it's huge. And even to this day, they don't know how they were able to do it because it's supposed to be made out of pure gold. And pure gold cannot support those arms, those big, massive arms. The, the, the menorah is as big as I am. It's huge. And it was all supposed to be pure gold. And pure gold is not strong enough. And so the arms would sag and, and break or I just sag all the way down. Uh, they had to make a kind of a steel inner frame for this thing to put the gold over it so there was skilled craftsmen and get this they were doing all of this in the desert we don't often think about this but they're in the middle of the desert and they are supposed to pour heat they're supposed to get gold melted down and make forms for it pour it obviously i would assume in the sand uh, making these forms how did they do all this weave things um skill you think and this is major skill to make something like this the acacia wood how do they make the beams obviously there was acacia wood somewhere around but to skillfully make those things that's pretty profound this was uh, god doing some um, a major what i would call minor miracles they had no established city with all of these foundries and all of these carpentry shops and all of these places to do this these were things that they had themselves in the middle of the desert underneath the mountain had to establish why they were there one of the reasons they were there a long time but god speaks to them from the mountain from the fiery mountaintop it's uh and they, moses goes up in the midst of the fire representing god's purity the purity that burns off anything that's of sin and it's judgment and today there is a mountain over in Saudi Arabia. And we, I showed a video of this once at church, how it's not the traditional place in, in the Sinai, but it is a place where, the, where the, the Arabs actually call it the mountain of Moses. And it's all black on top. Just the outer parts of the rock are black. And when you break open the rock, it's on the inside, it's not. They've tested the, the, the Christians that have gone up there and have gotten these rocks seem 
are convinced, they're convinced, that it's, it's as if these rocks were burned on the outside. And down below, there's even an altar. There's all kinds of indication where they, they were worshiping a bull, a uh, god. And so it's really compelling evidence. But this is all Israel getting to know God. This is all them coming to know him. He is introducing himself again to them. They had forgotten. And he's saying, I am your holy God. And because, interpret it in the grand scheme, because I love you, because I want to be manifested among you, I'm going to dwell among you in this tabernacle. My holy presence. But they needed to understand how holy it was. So there's all this intricacies of building the holy of holies and the cherubim and that his dwelling place would be there where? Between the two angels on the mercy seat. Not in the box where the law was. That's not where his manifest glory was going to be and reside. It was going to be over the mercy seat amongst the angelic host. And this is where the high priest could come in and sprinkle the blood and pray for the day of atonement that they would receive his mercy and he would give it to them. It's so special. But of course, there only the high priest could go in because he had to be purified. Had to go purified to go into his presence. And of course, when Jesus died on the cross, his blood purified all of us who would believe in him. And his blood metaphorically was sprinkled upon us, which cleanses us from all sin, purifies us. So the curtain is torn, literally. So Jesus is now saying, God is saying, now all of you can come into my presence by the blood of the land, and my presence is still with you still on the earth, and now it's going to be not only with you, it's going to be in you. You now become my tabernacle, and I'm going to dwell in you as you travel through this world. I'll be with you. Pretty exciting. All right, let's keep moving on. We're in the book of Matthew, and we are in chapter 11. When Jesus had finished giving instruction to his 12 disciples, he departed from there to teach and preach in their cities. Now when John while in prison, heard the words of Christ, he sent word by his disciples and said to him, Are you the expected one, or shall we look for someone else? Jesus answered and said to them, Go and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, and the lame walk. The lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up. The poor have the gospel preached to them. And blessed is he who does not take offense at me. Verse 7. As these men were going away, Jesus began to speak to the crowds about John. What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind? But what did you go out to see? A man dressed in soft clothing? Those who wear soft clothing are in king's palaces. But what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you. And one who is more than a prophet. This is the one about whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way before you. Truly I say to you, among those born of women, there is not arisen anyone greater than John the Baptist, yet the one who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and violent men take it by force. For all the prophets and the law prophesied until John. And if you're willing to accept it, John 
himself is Elijah who was to come. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. But to what shall I compare this generation? It is like children sitting in a marketplace who call out to other children and say, we played the flute for you and we did a dance. You sang a dirge and you did not mourn. For John came neither eating nor drinking and they say he is a demon. The son of man came eating and drinking and they say, behold, a gluttonous man and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Yet wisdom is vindicated by her deeds. Verse 20, then he began to denounce the cities in which most of the miracles were done because they did not repent. Woe to you, Chorazin. Woe to you, Bethsaida. For, uh, for if the miracles had occurred in Tyre and Sidon, which occurred in you, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. Nevertheless, I say to you, it will be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon in the day of judgment than for you. And you, Capernaum, will not be exalted to heaven, will you? You will descend to Hades, for if the miracles had occurred in Sodom, occurred in you, you would have remained to this day. Nevertheless, I say to you that it will be more tolerable for the land of Sodom in the day of judgment than for you. At that time, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and intelligent and have revealed them to the infants. Yes, Father, for this way was well-pleasing in your sight. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, nor does anyone know the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son wills, he reveals him. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy. And my burden is light. The incredible teaching of Jesus Christ about who he is and how we can come before him and the call to come before him. Obviously, John the Baptist was the bridge between the Old Testament and the New Testament. This is why he was greater than the prophets. He proclaimed, now the Messiah is coming. The prophets could only prophesy he was coming. John was proclaiming, now he is here. But of course, even though he saw the dove descend, even though he, he heard God say, this is my beloved son, he was human, and he fell into doubt, probably depression because he was in prison. And he asked the question, are you the Messiah or not? And what we have to appreciate is that Jesus doesn't say yes because he could be a madman and say yes. But he says, look at the evidence. Look at the evidence. The scriptures foretold that the, all the, these were the things the Messiah would do. He would give sight to the blind. He would hear, heal the deaf. He would heal the sick. Uh, he would preach the gospel. And all of these things he did. So we have a more sure word of prophecy. You were supposed to say, I, you know, you're supposed to think, I know Jesus is Lord because he completed the prophecies. Not because he claimed himself to be Messiah, which should be good enough if we know him but because of the prophecies and then we see him describing himself and a call to come unto him and this is the same call that we hear every day that is proclaimed in church every sunday a call to whoever's <laughs> weary and heavy laden my yoke is easy my burden is light don't stay away come unto me 
what a marvelous thing it was for me when I did that, for you when you did that. And you realize, why did I wait? It's so amazingly refreshing. The burden is lifted off of you. And you realize you can run your life all better than you can run it yourself. Charles Spurgeon. Are the children in? I will pour my spirit upon thy seed and my blessing upon thine offspring. Isaiah 44, 3. Oh, dear children, have not the spirit of God by nature as we plainly see. We see much in them which makes us fear as to their future. And this drives us to an agonizing prayer. When a son becomes especially perverse, we cry with Abraham, Oh, that Ishmael might live before thee. We would sooner see our daughters Hannah's than Empress's. This verse should greatly encourage us. It follows upon the words, Fear not, O Jacob, my servant, for it may well banish our fears. The Lord will give his spirit, will give it plentifully, pouring it out, will give it effectually, so that it shall be a real and eternal blessing. Under this divine outpouring, our children shall come forward, and one shall say, I am the Lord's, and another shall call himself by the name Jacob. I'm sorry if I got this out of sequence. I seem to be, might be reading one that I already, I re, already read this, but I thought I put it on the 14th. So bear with me if this is not the right one, but it's compelling nonetheless. This is the one who promises concerning which the Lord will be inquired of. Should we not at set times in a distinct manner pray for our offspring? We cannot give them new hearts, but the Holy Spirit can. And he is easily to be entreated of. The great father takes pleasure in the prayers of fathers and mothers. Have we any dear ones outside of the ark? Let us not rest till they are shut in with us by the Lord's own hand. I don't know why that was how I missed that or re-put it in. Maybe I actually think sometimes the Holy Spirit does that because... Isn't that the one thing that most of us are the most preoccupied about if we are born again and saved is our kids or our grandkids, how they're doing. Most of us have come out of some pretty rough backgrounds, or many of us have, and we know that we did not make right decisions growing up when we were young, and we don't want to see our kids make those same decisions. And so the agonizing prayer is a reality, and uh, thank God that he answers prayer. Thank God that he works through prayer. And that God does care about our kids. So we, we need to continue to pray for them and pray one for another. And I know some of you have kids that are wayward and uh, grandkids that are wayward. We need to continue to lift them up and ask that God would reveal himself because his yoke is easy, his burden is light. Why carry the burden of the world? And all of the, you can have pleasure and sin for a season, but you always got to wake up the next morning got to wake up one decade and realize you wasted the last 10, 15 years of your life. And they get to the point and say, what do I do now? And so we pray, God, you would just open up their eyes, make it a reality to them, help them see where they've gone wrong, see where they've gone off. God, we lift up our loved ones, the people that have not yet come to know you,
in a very sobering God prayer, we ask that you touch them and reach out and um, reach them today. And God, in one way, we can thank you for these challenges that are going on in the world right now. These mandates and the craziness and the insanity that's going on because if anything else, it is finally getting people to wake up and question, what's it all about? Why is this happening? It seems like the world is going to hell in a handbasket, and it is. It's just falling apart politically, in unity, in, in logic, in just normalcy, and caring one for another. And Father, it getting it's getting people to to ask questions, and they're hurting. And I thank you, God, that you're right there. You're right there. The moment that they cry out to you, you will answer them. You will reveal yourself to them. So that's our prayer that you would do that, Father. We want to have we ask a couple of specific prayers, as there was a, a church in Juarez that yesterday was attacked by, it seems, gang members that went into a funeral and opened fire, killed five people, injured many others. There's a, a pastor there with his wife who I believe has escaped injury, but they're devastated. Um, we want to pray for, I believe it's Samuel, Pastor Samuel uh, and his wife, that you would bring justice to those who went in and did heinous act, killing innocent people, unarmed innocent people, and uh, that they would be brought to justice. And God, maybe you would extend your mercy even to them in prison as they are just acting out in the world that they, the only world they know, the world of violence and dominance and satanic rule. So God, we, we pray for the families of those who have lost loved ones. Pray for the Christian community in Juarez, that this would unify them in prayer and come alongside each other. We have some Calvary missionaries there, Calvary people that are that are uh, associated, at least with this pastor in this church, uh, Nolan Shockey and his wife. So we want to lift them up and pray to use them for ministry there. And, uh, and Father, we just, our heart breaks for this senseless act, these senseless murders. Father, we pray that you would break these cartels that have such a stranglehold up there, actually most of Mexico, so that the average family can walk down the street in safety. So we do pray for that. And as we pray there, we also pray for anyone who's lost, lost a loved one recently from disease or, or accident. So God, we know it's, it's tough what's going on in the world, but may your comfort just come alongside those that are hurting. And may your hand of healing also reach out to those that are in need of healing. As we saw when you walked on the earth, God, the amount of people that you touched and healed. So God, we pray for these miracles. We pray for your hand to be moving and for you to unify the body of Christ. Thank you for the people that came to church yesterday and got saved. I want to pray for this young man, uh, Jesus, who came to, uh, he and his girlfriend, walking from a long, long distance away. 
and just started asking you, God, show us a church, show us a church. We need a church. And you led them right to ours, and they're bilingual. And uh, they definitely needed to make a hard commitment and a decision to follow you. So, God, they prayed to ask you in their hearts. We got our prayer now is it was real. And that there'd be no turning back. You would not allow the enemy to rob them of that decision or keep them away. And we pray just for a, a complete spiritual overshadowing that you would come upon them and wash them completely clean and help them start a new life as there's been a lot of darkness in their life. So, God, we ask you to do a great miracle there. And as well as other people that came to church yesterday that may have prayed, prayed the prayer at the end of the teaching, God, and just ask you quietly in their heart to wake them up to start working in their hearts and their lives. So thank you, God, for what you did yesterday. Thank you for the um, uh, amazing amount of people that showed up and, and the, the love that was being shared amongst the believers yesterday. It's a beautiful thing to see. And so, God, we ask you to continue that and continue to bless us today. And may this be a special day of fellowship and love one for another. Friend to friend, couple to couple, family to family. Just bless us this day, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, God bless you guys. We'll see you again tomorrow. Bye-bye.